What's up, Lions of Liberty fans? You can now support this show on Patreon and get exclusive access to bonus audio and video content, including Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Yellow, yellow. It is Brian McWilliams. This is Electric Liberty Land, episode number 81. I am once again doing a little bit of a morning edition for myself, recording early as my, once again, my personal life is rife with uh, frustration and exhaustion trying to finish up a large life move. So that being said, this is going to be a short episode. I'm just trying to get you guys something so that you're not simply tuning into a podcast of silence, wishing to hear my voice, as so many people in the world often do. Now then... The topic of the day that obviously is going through the news cycle that is on the tips of lips across the United States and in Russia is the meeting between Donald Trump and Putin. Yes, the Trump-Putin summit or the strumpet. Uh, Strumpet? I don't know. I think we can combine those in an interesting way. Let's go with strumpet because it sounds a little bit sexy. So (laughs) they get together in Helsinki. And the gist of the press conference they held was one of collaboration, was one of friendship, and one that is being roundly decried by members of the Senate, members of the House, lawmakers, uh, pundits that are now disgraced, such as former heads of the FBI, and also, of course, the mainstream media, Fox CNN, MSNBC, all of which are still very much advocates for whatever war we can ever get into. I mean, it's uh, the neocon news networks is basically what we should call all the mainstream media at this point, the NNN, but are decrying this press conference as despicable and treasonous because Donald Trump had the gall to go out there and talk about actually trying to have decent relations with Russia and reflected upon the actions of the United States as being a cause for the current climate that exists between the United States and Russia. People are saying that Donald Trump threw his intelligence agencies under the bus. And I was reading one article today, which was the most hilarious of all. I believe it was a CNN piece talking about how, oh no, I'm sorry. It was a Washington Post editorial board story. So, you know, it was extra stupid fucked. But the editorial board of the Washington Post just could not get over the fact that Donald Trump dared to undermine the FBI's results and findings about Russia meddling in our election. Never mind, this is the exact same FBI that is currently being interrogated because of bias that was very, very obvious and very clear. And I'm going to talk about the the Peter Strzok stuff in, in just a little bit. But they're like, how could he even imagine to throw the FBI under the bus in this public forum? It's like, why would he not? They've been attacking Donald Trump. They've been trying to undermine his election. They've been saying that it's a farce. Uh, it's just insane. 
But I just love this concept that's being thrown about now that Donald Trump is somehow treasonous for talking to Vladimir Putin, just like he was somehow to be disregarded in a presidential capacity for meeting with North Korea, which now has forwarded relations with North Korea, which has, even at the worst case scenario, at least cracked open a window into that regime, which I'm sorry, even if you hate everything that Kim Jong-un has done, which we all do, he's a despicable person, at least they have a shot now. The people of that country have a shot at maybe having a life that somewhat approaches that of any country that's not considered purely third world, you know, maybe have a shot at a free market, maybe have a shot at being able to come and go across their own borders to have some aspects of freedom in their lives. And that's coming from having these talks with North Korea, from sitting down, from, from pushing back on what could have been nuclear war. And now Donald Trump's being called treasonous because he met with another nuclear superpower, one that we had a cold war with for decades, one in which people were literally having, I mean, we had nuclear drills. When I was a kid, I was born in 79. I can remember having those drills. They were, you know, it was, it, you get under your desk, you cover your head. And this is all stemming from what would happen during the eighties. If there, if there was a nuclear strike from the Soviets. Now the Soviet empire fell and Donald Trump, has been on record, and he is completely right in this regard, saying that the United States is in NATO, and NATO existed to push back against the Soviet Union, which is now defunct. It's now just Russia, which has nowhere near the power that it used to have when it was all this conglomeration of nations, which are now uh, separated into, God, I don't even know how many countries they separated into, what, 10, 11? But the fact that NATO exists and the fact that the United States supplies almost all of the funding and almost all of the defense funding for NATO is absurd in this day and age. I mean, what are we afraid of here? Russia has its own interests that are very, very regionally specific. The United States has its own interests, which we don't seem to... I mean, it, we don't seem to to restrain ourselves from going all over the world, which is part of what Donald Trump was saying the U.S. is to blame for regards to Russian, uh, the climate of U.S.-Russia relations. But we've got NATO where we continuously, over the course of these past presidents, would push outwards. We would undermine whatever the Russians tried to do to continue this, this I don't even know what you call it, a lukewarm Cold War? A, a luke Cold War? We'd put all these missile systems right on their borders, continuing to antagonize them. We go and uproot the Middle East, which is much closer to Russia than it is to us. What the fuck are we even doing over there for the last 50 years? But we continue to undermine any sort of peace efforts in the Middle East in the, in the pretending that the United States is over there as the peacekeepers, as and like we're trying to stabilize the region when every single move we've ever done has completely destabilized the region, continued to have chaos and just the murder of millions throughout the Middle East right next to Russia. And yet we're supposed to believe that Russian aggression is solely the cause for all of the world's ills. It seems to me that Russia compared to the United States has really done a, a jack and shit approach and is basically regionally concerned with Crimea, the Ukraine. I can't think of anywhere else there. Oh, Georgia. I mean, what else are we talking about here? Little border skirmishes. They haven't, they haven't annexed entire countries. 
And I'm not excusing the actions that happen. I'm not excusing the annexation of Crimea. But when we are actually comparing the two, and I'll cite, you know, Mark made this very good point in our Lions of Liberty Forum, which I strongly recommend you guys join if you're listening to this. Just go to Facebook, type in Lions of Liberty Forum, say that you heard about it on the podcast, we'll let you write in. But Mark made a very good point in an argument that I was uh, reading today, saying that if anything, Vladimir Putin should be the one that's more ashamed meeting with the United States. Because we are the constant aggressors. We have started so many more wars. We have millions, I mean, we have murdered millions of people. We're the ones that are drone bombing innocent people at weddings. We are the ones that are just, they're starting and funding proxy wars that are basically becoming genocides in Yemen. We're supplying all of the Saudi Arabians with their, the fuel that they need, the transportation that they need. Never mind. What's going on with Israel and the Gaza Strip? And I, you know, and you know what I find is if I had a little bit more time, I wanted to get into this whole thing with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez not knowing what the fuck she's talking about, talking about the quote occupation of Palestine by Israel. Uh, that was a hilarious thing. But yeah, again, a life lesson, guys. Don't just elect pretty people that call themselves socialists because you want to be a rebel, because they're so they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But anyway, getting back to what I was talking about. But, you know, it's, you look at Israel. So Israel has continued to have these human rights aggressions against the people in the West Bank. And all the while, the United States continues to provide them with all sorts of military support, all sorts of financial support. They get the best weapons technology the United States can provide them. And we give them basically for free surplus of all of our military stuff that we just keep continuing to pour money into. And then we're like, oh, you got uh, 75 extra tanks. I guess we'll just go give them to Israel. It's just, I mean, it is absurd to think about the amount of aggression that comes out of the United States as this global force for good. My favorite tagline that the Navy had been touting for a long time, a global force for good, because that's what is important to American citizens, right? That we parlay our troops out all over the world to die for who knows what. So for me, reflecting on this summit and press conference, I could give two shits about the hyperbole coming out from the left, from the right, from the media. For me, simply sitting down and actually meeting and talking with another superpower and maybe trying to get on the same page, maybe try to work together to combat terrorism, maybe try to work together to uh, to provide more free market exchange between the countries. That sounds good to me. And diffusing what is a potentially... A new Cold War, which is just going to cost trillions of more dollars, which is going to amp up fear and anxiety and adds to the potential for actual war. To avoid that seems like a pretty good idea to me. Now, a couple more things I do want to talk about here while we're on the topic is, number one, I thought it was fascinating where Trump had attacked NATO when they had their meetings in a, uh, a related topic talking about how NATO, in fact, was undermined by Germany because, they, again, the, the whole concept of NATO is to fight back against Soviet aggression, right? Meanwhile, Trump, in a very savvy move, and I'm wondering, it, did Trump get fed this knowledge? Did he come across it on his own, <laughs> reading about the history of NATO, then comparing it to who's paying what to Russia? But Germany, 
which of course gets you know pays something like two percent of its own defense. Uh, and when the United States takes care of all the rest of it, we have like thirty thousand troops over there. Germany pays something like thirty percent of its power to Russia, like 30 percent or more. I'd read two different figures: one said thirty five percent, one said seventy percent. Let's call it forty five percent. But forty five percent of their energy comes from Russia, direct. So they're funding. Russia's infrastructure, they're funding Russia's military, they're funding Russia's aggression, arguably, by expending so much of their GDP to purchase energy from Russia. And Russia, by the way, that is the majority of Russia's uh, GDP comes from exports of natural gas primarily, but also some, some you know, normal oil, some electricity. And Germany's facilitating that. So I thought that was a stroke of strategic genius for Trump to point out the fact that the United States is paying for their defense against this Soviet boogeyman. Meanwhile, <laughs> Germany is just paying money to the boogeyman. <laughs> it's like, it is, it is just uh, impressive. You got to give the guy credit. And I see all these libertarians saying, you know, we cannot support anything Donald Trump does. I'm sorry. I don't agree with you. I think that like anything, you cannot get wrapped up in disliking the man personally. You can't get wrapped up in issue by issue things. And while I will decry the uh, the appointment or the nomination of Kavanaugh because of his Fourth Rights uh, issues, because of his or Fourth Amendment issues, because of his issues with being so close to the George W. Bush, which, again, makes a lot of sense considering the Patriot Act came from George W. Bush. And now Kavanaugh doesn't you know, he's, he doesn't really have too much of an issue with uh, with illegal search and seizure and spying on people. Of course, he doesn't. And I, obviously, I take a lot of issue with that, but. I'm not going to take so much issue that I can't recognize the good things that come of it. And if Trump can call people out on their bullshit regarding NATO, that's great. If Trump can sit down with North Korea and hammer out a peace treaty and hammer out better relations, that's great. If Trump can sit down with Putin, that's great. We should always be talking to our enemies. And I'm also hoping that this means that he's going to pull back further from aggressive wars. Because while Trump has bombed, you know, I was talking with Michael Bolden last week about this. Trump has dropped more bombs than anybody, which is horrible. I did not know that. It's atrocious to hear. But at the same time, I'm hoping that he is trying to pull back from wars. I'm hoping that this is in conjunction with this, the bullshit war on terror. And it's not something where, like with Obama, you're expanding more into Africa. Or you're expanding more into Syria. You know, Trump has been on record saying he wants to get out of Syria. So that's great. Now, then again, I also talked about last week how he wants to invade Venezuela for no goddamn reason, which would be terrible. So that's upsetting. Look, it's a give and take. There's good and bad. But when I see something like this, I'm going to say, I appreciate that. I appreciate you talking to another person on a man-to-man level to try to hammer something out and to try to avoid this. You know, it's like when you think about whisper down the lane, if we're not talking to our enemies, everything is going to be amplified and everything's going to be made worse. Nothing. When you play whisper down the lane, it's never like you guess what? So it starts off with Susie saying she thinks you're okay. By the time it gets to you, Susie thinks that you're a rife cunt. That's what happens. It's never like something great. Like it never becomes better as it goes along because it gets warped by all the people who have special interests involved. And guess what? All of the people in government, have special interests that involve keeping us in a continual state of war, expanding the military-industrial complex, and making their money the best way they can. And they know that by keeping us in a state of war, that's where the government becomes absolutely necessary. 
Just like if the country is kept poor, the government is absolutely necessary, which is why all these people push through all these social welfare programs that are proven not to work. They don't want them to work. They just want them to keep growing. Okie dokie artichoke. One more thing on this. Rand Paul had come out in uh, what I will consider a Paulus defending Trump's talking with Putin because, and just calling a spade a spade, saying that, yeah, the U.S. is responsible for a lot of the aggression. And to pretend that we don't do some messed up things is ridiculous. And he has also called out this, this concept of election meddling because I still have seen no actual evidence of any sort of collusion between Trump and Russia. I still have seen no actual evidence that Russia really impacted the election because even the most recent Mueller indictment, which, God, talk about the deep state trying to undermine <laughs> Donald Trump. Mueller issues this indictment for 12 Russians, you know, what, two days before the summit? So clearly he has no interest in any sort of peace between Russia and the United States. And none of these people do. It's just, it's absurd to say that they don't have a special interest in mind that the deep state isn't trying to continue this, this condition of war. What do you do something like that? But once again, Mueller puts out these 12 indictments for these, these Russian conspirators and then promptly buries them under the special de uh, Department of Justice, I don't even know, special investigations unit. So nobody gets to see what the actual allegations are. Nobody gets to see what the charges actually are. I mean, it's all just a political shell game. They've got nothing. They continue to have nothing. And Mueller's going to get embarrassed with the first indictments he put out there. Just it continues to be ridiculous. The only thing we've got is Facebook ads to this day. Ugh. And then one other thing I'll say is that uh, Justin Amash also came out saying that uh, in regards to the treasonous actions of Donald Trump meeting with Putin, uh, here's what Amash's quote was. A person can be in favor of improving relations with Russia, in favor of meeting with Putin, and still think something is not right here. Exactly right, Justin. Exactly right. Meeting with a man, meeting with, with a dictator as he's being called, and I agree with that, actually. It's a very rigged system over there. But just because you meet with somebody doesn't mean you necessarily agree with everything they're doing. I mean, if my next-door neighbor kept throwing shit over my fence... I would want to meet with him and say, hey, buddy, why are you throwing this shit over my fence? Maybe could you stop throwing this shit over my fence? Because I don't like all the shit over my fence. And maybe we'll come to an agreement where he stops doing that. But you know what? That ain't going to happen until we get to talking. And if I start throwing turds over his back wall, I don't think it's going to be resolved. All righty. Ah, <sighs> okay. Before I go on to something else, I'm going to switch to some other topics here. But I do want to tell you guys about conversationmattime.com. This is from a supporter of our show. And I just want to do a live read on this because I don't want you guys to tune out for my regular commercial. But I do want to encourage you to call in. You're going to get a 15-minute free trial. Just go to conversationmattime.com. And basically what this service does is really interesting to me and really beneficial. Because if you're listening to me, I'm a guy, I'm a talker, right? I have a natural ability to, to get in there. I'm comfortable with people. I'm good on my feet. I'm good in situations that are high pressure spontaneously. But that's not everybody. And when you fail to prepare 
to go into a job interview, when you're trying to have a, a interpersonal relationship, you might be trying to push to the next level. Maybe you're just trying to meet with your wife-to-be's new parents. Getting in there and actually talking with somebody who can give you tips, can give you a way to practice what you're doing, to give you that confidence to allow you to come across in your best possible way is immensely valuable. And what Conversation Mat Time does, they're going to provide you with a 25-minute session where you're going to counsel with a professional to work through a script to say, okay, now I feel like I've got this in the bag. Now I can go in there, I can look somebody right in the eye and feel like I'm going to present myself in the best possible fashion. So I want to encourage you guys to please do visit a sponsor of ours, an avid listener of the show, as well as the guy who owns this company, guys. So it would mean a lot to us, to the show, if you checked out conversationmattime.com and get your free 15-minute consultation, initial consultation there, really help you out, help you get to that next level, which of course, as a free market capitalist, I want you to succeed, I want you to excel, and in a guilty fashion, I want you to support our show. (laughs) All right, so let's get back into it on some other topics here. Uh, One thing I just want to rail about a little bit here is uh, Saudi Arabia. I was talking about Yemen earlier. Saudi Arabia has issued a royal pardon for everything soldiers have done in Yemen. So now that doesn't excuse them from committing war crimes. That doesn't mean that they're going to get off scot-free if we actually have some sort of examination of war crimes in the region by an international court, in which case I would argue that the United States is also guilty of war crimes since we're enabling all of this. But I, but I just love that Saudi Arabia, U.S.-backed Saudi Arabia, has now issued a complete pardon for all of the murders of children, for all of the rapes that have occurred, for all of the wanton slaughter of an entire families that's occurred over there, for all of the children dying of cholera that are just literally diarrheing themselves to death. That's all good. Wiped out. Saudi prince or Saudi king says, no harm, no foul. I mean, that is atrocious. You think about how many wars the United States has started, undeclared, unconstitutional wars the United States has participated in because of alleged human rights violations, shooting over 75 Tomahawk missiles into Syria because of alleged chemical weapons attacks against populations. Meanwhile, you have an actual genocide going on, supported by the United States, which has now had all of its soldiers completely exonerated from the atrocities they've committed by the Saudi king. Basically just saying, I'm holding none, nobody accountable. Go ahead and do what you want. And that, that, that's, that's the sickest thing here. It sends a new message that you can commit any atrocity you want and there will be no repercussions. I mean, hell, if he excused it once, why wouldn't he excuse it again? I mean, am I, are these people on their deathbed and the Catholic priest comes in and goes, all right, you're all good. Off to heaven with you. Because that certainly seems like what's happening here. But the U.S. will continue to turn a blind eye, continue to bomb people overseas. Let's continue to have the, the mainstream media ignore what's happening in Yemen because it's obviously far more important to question a goddamn press conference between Trump and Putin rather than focus on the actual genocide that the United States is participating in currently. Absolutely sickening. While we're on the same topic, let's talk about another uh, cadre of people that have committed 
maybe let's not say atrocities, but let's say that have committed some pretty egregious acts of uh, violation of of, uh, property rights against people while in airports. And that, of course, is our very own TSA, which a federal court just ruled the TSA and their agents, well, the TSA agents, cannot be sued over allegations of abuse. So isn't that great? The United States is excusing atrocities going on in Saudi Arabia, or not in Yemen, and now it's excusing atrocities committed right here at home in our very own airport. So if a TSA agent gropes you inappropriately, if he uh, makes you strip down naked and your colostomy bag falls on the floor, all, all sorts of things that have actually happened, by the way, you can't sue them. As horribly wrong as it is, as invasive as it is, even if this person is a sick freak that gets reported time and time again and gets cited and fired and fined by the TSA that they let go because they have found themselves that this person is in fact a pedo, is in fact a pervert, is in fact just a guy who likes to fuck with people in the airport, you are not allowed to sue them. And that's what happens with government. This is the perfect example of why the private market and the free market is a better system to go with. Because when you have a government which can make all the rules and then exonerate itself from any sort of comeuppance, you've got a fucking problem. I mean, I don't even, (laughs) there's no words for this. There's no words. I'm surprised that they haven't exonerated Congress from being sued for any allegations of sexual misconduct. I mean, basically, they had put rules into place to stop them from happening anyway, where they would put people through all these sort of Byzantine uh, trials and tribulations where you had to go to counseling, and then you had to wait a year, and then you had to do something else. It's like, all right, we're going to make a bunch of hoops, but at least they didn't completely just say, nah, you know what? A senator can rub your jammy pot, and uh, you're not allowed to do anything about it, which is what they're saying with the TSA. So truth, TSA agents now have even better privileges for abusing people than senators. So take that, Congress. Take that, everybody in power, elected officials. You thought you were so good. You thought you had the top growth privileges in the United States? No longer. The TSA's got that on lockdown. Goddamn ridiculous. All right. Uh, one more. Oh, you know what? One more thing. God, I forgot about this. Sorry, I was a little scatterbrained. I uh, got like, I don't even know, four hours of sleep last night. Uh, one more thing. I just went going back to this Russia thing and Putin. This is something crazy that came out of the uh, the press conference, by the way. We're talking about Hillary Clinton and how incredibly, incredibly corrupt she is, was and is. And, uh, and I want to talk about this Peter Strzok thing to wrap this episode up. Uh, but Vladimir Putin, during the press conference, basically said that U.S. intelligence operatives helped to move $400 million to Hillary Clinton's campaign. And this is by virtue of a, uh, a lawyer, Browder, who, according to Putin, like, I'll just read this quote for uh, verbatim. For instance, should I do a Russian accent? For instance, we can bring up Mr. Browder. In this particular case, nah, I'm giving up. <laughs> Business associates of Mr. Browder have earned over $1.5 billion in Russia and never paid any taxes neither in Russia or the United States, and yet the money escaped the country. They were transferred to the United States. They sent a huge amount of money, $400 million, as a contribution to the campaign of Hillary Clinton. That's their personal case. It might have been legal, the contribution itself, but the way the money was earned was illegal. So we have solid reason to believe that some U.S. intelligence officers accompanied and guided these transactions. So we have an interest in questioning them. And this was Putin in response to working in collaboration 
He said, to have people go ahead, he said, we'll allow you to come into Russia and, and interview the people that you say were involved in colluding and in impacting the election, which I thought is interesting. Putin's offering to, hey, he's so confident. He says, yeah, come on in. You can talk to them. Go ahead. Sit down and talk to these people you say impacted your election. Meanwhile, he's talking about $400 million that was donated to the Hillary Clinton campaign and facilitated by U.S. intelligence agencies. Pretty interesting. I can't say it's substantiated in any way, but I did want to mention that just because it was one of those, it was one of those things where it came out of nowhere in the press conference, and it was just kind of like this little, little uh, nuclear bomb that Putin set off. Interesting stuff. Okay, a couple more things to go into here. Uh, I just want to rail about this for two minutes, but I saw, I think it might have even been Alexia uh, Ocasio-Cortez who mentioned this, but climate justice is a phrase that now I'm seeing being used by the climate cultists in lieu of climate change. Climate justice. And let me just say, this is the next evolution of making this phrase so goddamn nebulous and so completely like you if you make it about justice as we've seen then now you don't have to qualify anything now it's about your hashtag your truth tell your truth about fucking climate justice because no longer does it have to involve change no longer does it have to have any sort of proof behind it no longer does it have any sort of empirical evidence to back it up no longer do the climate models which already don't work have to be even remotely close to what's going on. Because now, guys, it's about climate justice. So now it's about people in third world countries who maybe, maybe sea levels could go up and impact them. Justice. Meanwhile, the irony of this is that if anything, climate change legislation pushing to change the way the carbon uh, is measured and taxed, that impacts people on the lower spectrum of living far more than all these privileged assholes that are crying about climate justice. That impacts emerging economies. That impacts third world countries that still need coal and cheap energy to actually have their societies grow and thrive and make money and, and put gas in their farm equipment. They're not putting in windmills. They're not putting in solar. That shit costs money and the return on the energy infrastructure is not good enough yet. So how about your climate justice actually focuses on the people in these economies that are going to be hugely impacted, keeping them in squalor? Because these are the people that are the 90% of the rest of the world that doesn't make anywhere near, maybe like they make $2,000 American a year, squeaking by. Where's their climate justice? But yeah, you know, in the context that these people want to talk about it, it's climate justice for our children. What about them? Where's their justice? Just unbelievable, man. They keep changing the goalposts. And this is a prime example of the left's battle to own words, to completely change arguments and own that argument and position it in such a way in which you cannot attack it because now it doesn't mean a fucking thing. And when you have a concept that can mean anything and cannot be defined easily, it means that anybody can take it, make it into their own made-up bullshit, and no one can question it anymore because now it's hashtag their story. So fuck that. Okay, let's get into Peter Strzok stuff. Real quick, now I gotta, I'm getting close. I gotta shower and walk my dogs. So if you watch any part of this whole hearing with Peter Strzok or Strzok or Stork or whatever you want to call him, uh, 
I saw two different narratives, kind of like uh, Scott Adams of Dilbert fame talks about in his uh, in his blogs and his his podcast. And basically, the two stories I saw. Story number one: You've got the most unlikable slippery snake of a man, Peter Strzok, sitting up there during this congressional hearing about his bias, which is. When you look at the text, when you look at his actions, completely unquestionable. This is during the course of this hearing. We already know about the text messages saying we will stop him from becoming president. Don't worry. He won't get there. This is unbelievable. You know, basically him saying we will do whatever is in our power to stop him. And he did this all before he even questioned a single person during the Donald Trump investigation. And. This has to be taken in the context of him saying Hillary Clinton should win the election 100 million to one, or to, not even to one, to zero. And that was before he even started questioning people when he was investigating her. So you've got clear bias of a man who wants Hillary Clinton to win the election and has said she should win 100 million to zero while he is investigating her. Do you not think that has some impact on his findings of the investigation if you are actively cheerleading for somebody that you're investigating? And then, oh, now you get to investigate her opponent. And you say that you are, quote, going to stop him. Don't worry, we'll stop him. I I mean, ridiculous. So you've got Trey Gowdy, who I'm not the biggest Trey Gowdy fan, but he is incredibly effective in these uh, situations as a former lawyer, or I guess current lawyer. He's still <laughs> still a lawyer, I guess. But questioning Peter Strzok, you saw him not accepting any bullshit, cracking the whip on this smug douchebag. And I mean, literally, Peter Strzok is possibly one of the most unlikable people I've ever seen in my life. He was just smirking and smug and condescending during this entire affair, being as uncooperative as you would imagine. And you wonder how this piece of shit got as high up as he could being this unlikable. But of course, then you look at the people that put him there, the Comeys of the world, the uh, McAdams of the world, or the McCabes, excuse me, of the world that keep promoting this asshole because he shares their same leftist vision, their deep state leftist vision of how the world should be. But you got Trey Gowdy just, I mean, really doing what I thought was an excellent job of not allowing this slippery snake to worm his way out of answering these questions. And you've got these, like I'm looking on social media, you've got the same clip of Trey Gowdy ripping this man apart. And you've got people on the left saying, look at this, look at this piece of garbage, Trey Gowdy attacking Peter Strzok. Strzok owned him. Like, how did Strzok own him? Strzok just wouldn't answer the question. He kept trying to escape the question. None of his responses made any sense. He was, Strzok's responses, by the way, were along the lines of, oh, well, you know, you took that out of context. Like, what, what context? We've got the entire transcript. We know the context. And he's saying that when he said we will stop him, that it was supposedly he meant we as in the American people. Because we all, we all talk about the American people as the, in the royal we, don't we? When I talk about uh, going out and and, uh, meeting my fellow pollsters, I always say, we're going to vote the best way for this country. Not like I'm going to vote for the guy that's the least amount of asshole. No, no, it's the royal we, according to Peter Strzok in his uh, his defense of his his text. But anyway, you see people attacking Trey Gowdy for doing his job. And then you've got people, like these Democrats, this is what really drove me insane. During this hearing, 
Peter Strzok's trying to get, or, I'm sorry, Trey Gowdy's trying to get to the bottom of this. He's trying to expose what is obvious bias from this man. Incontrovertible bias. And you've got these Democrats continuously interrupting him, trying to undermine the questioning. I, your job is not to be a cheerleader for a piece of shit that's trying to undermine a presidential election. But you've got these, these Democrats, their sole purpose was to be obstructionist during this entire affair. It wasn't to get to the bottom of it. They had no interest in the truth. They have no interest in defending what, should, what the FBI's role should be, which is supposed to be impartial, to investigate uh, things like Hillary Clinton and obviously this, uh, this Trump collusion nonsense. But wouldn't they want somebody to actually go in there and do the job appropriately and correctly? Clearly not. Because it was over and over again, interrupting. Can't we question? This has gone on too long. And one chick, I don't even know who it was, one woman on this panel, was like, you know, you've just been badgering this witness. Like, like she's his fucking lawyer. What goddamn crazy town are we living in? It, it, just is, it was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my life echoed by the fact that you look on social media and you've got all of these fucking teamster assholes simply picking aside regardless of the facts and cheering on or castrating appropriately or inappropriately, I should say, according to how their bleeding hearts live them. And it was shockingly embarrassing. And I don't excuse people on the right for doing this either in regards to the Trump Putin stuff and you know everything else. They take an unabashed side as well, but it just was, it, it just, it is just beyond disturbing. Like people can't see the, uh, the obvious evidence right in front of their face, the obvious bias right in front of their face. They will not acknowledge it. And that's why this whole thing, it's going to come to nothing. Peter Strzok, who should be fired, who should be, he should be relegated to working at the DMV to punish him. It's the best punishment I can imagine. This man is going to maintain his career. He's going to get his job back. I guarantee it. Because you have no interest in people actually finding the truth. You have no interest in people actually exposing bias. All you have is people interested in forwarding their own party goals, staying in power, and trying to make the other team look bad, and riling up their base of idiotic douches. Ah, And on that note, I'm going to wrap this episode up and go back to my incredibly stressful life. So, guys... Good news, though. Next week, I am looking forward to having a nice, pleasant conversation with Eric July, lead singer of Backwards. I'm very excited to have him on the podcast. So next week, Eric July, don't miss it. And uh, to wrap this up, I want to remind you guys, please do listen to Mark Claire on Mondays with his in-depth interviews on Liberty and with the leaders of the Libertarian Movement. John Odie Odermatt on Fridays with Felony Fridays. And... Please do share the show, share the podcast. We're trying to grow this show. We need your help. We can't do it on our own. We are put out something at this point between the three shows, probably like, I think it's about 475 episodes or something like that. I mean, we are rolling out the content, guys. We need your help to grow it. We can put the content out there. We can't make people listen to it. We need you to be our advocates. I need you to be as biased shills as the scumbag neocons and the scumbag Democrats are. I need you to go out there and badger some witnesses for us. Get people to tune in. Write us an iTunes review, too. That would be great. And, of course, 
support the show. I can't even explain to you how much bonus content we have been rolling out these past couple weeks, guys. And we put out regularly, we put out about three different bonus shows a week with the LNC and Pork Fest. We've been pumping out like, I mean, my God, you got, you'll probably have about a hundred bonus shows to go through if you join and become a supporting patron right now. Just go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. You can get in as low as five bucks a month and get access to all of our beautiful content and, uh, and have a voice in how this show's going, guys. <sighs> all right. Back to life. Back to life. Back to reality. Dating myself with that. Is that 90s reference? All right. Peace out. From me, Brian McWilliams, from Lions of Liberty, and from Electric Liberty Land, I want to remind you to always stay plugged in to Liberty. <laughs>